So, so far we dealt with the question of the tour and the answer of the tour. Question again was, why do we celebrate Sukkot this time of year when we should have celebrated it during Nisan, during Pesach time? So the tour says, because it wouldn't look like you're doing a mitzvah. And we learned that about that yesterday. But let me introduce you to what the Gra says. The Gra and Shira Shirim. And we'll read a little bit. He says, Sukkot hu zekher lehekef Sukkot, as we learned, is to commemorate the surrounding of the clouds of glory he says, these clouds of glory had very much to do with the building of the Mishkan. Okay, now we got new information. We don't, what does that mean? So he's going to explain. He says, and what, with, what I'm about to tell you, Yeturat Mashehikshu. What the tour asked, why are we making Sukkot during Tishri? We should make it in Nisan. He says, I'm going to explain to you. After I explain, you'll understand why Sukkot is during this time. Because remember, the tour's answer is somewhat difficult. Well, that uh, because even though it's the right time, but then Hashem pushed it off, we understand it. But the grass says, I have a, a system. You'll understand, according to what I wrote, you'll see there's no question. Okay, let's see. Lama anachnu osim sukkot betishri. Why do we make sukkot during the start? Good. Right? He says, skip one line. Kevan shehu neged hekef ananekavod hayara ui laasot benisan. Right, that like the tour says, since we're commemorating the clouds of glory, which started in Nisan, we should celebrate in Nisan. Ki Nisan hayat hekef ananin. Nisan is the time that the clouds began to protect us. Aval lefi ha'egel. When Am Yisrael did the egel. So now they left Mitzrayim. Forty-nine days later, right? They got they they had Matan Torah. So all that time they had the clouds of glory. Moshe Rabbeinu went up on the sixth of Sivan, right? By the seventeenth of Tammuz, forty days from Shavuot. That's when Moshe Rabbeinu came down and saw the Egel. Good, so far? So he says, at that point, when they did this terrible sin of the Egel, this was a breach in the marriage. Shiva Asar is when Moshe Rabbeinu broke the Luhot. That's one of the things we fast about during the 17th of Tammuz. That's the fast before Tisha B'Av in the summer, right? That 
one of the things that happened on Shabbat Sabbath Tammuz is that Moshe Rabbeinu broke the Luchot. He came down after 40 days and he saw them with the Egel, which was shocking. So that was a big breach in the marriage. Matan Torah is considered like the marriage of Am Yisrael. In fact, during a ceremony of a marriage of a chuppah, there are things that we emulate Matan Torah. For example, one of the things that we do is you notice that when the kala comes, she's on her way, she's the end, she comes in, and then she stops halfway, and the hatan goes to get her and to come into the chuppah. Why, why do we do that? Why can't she just walk herself to, to the front? The answer is that when Am Yisrael was coming to Har Sinai to get the Torah, it says that Hashem went out to greet them. Instead of waiting for Am Yisrael to come to him, which he should have done, that's the norm, especially he's the creator of the world. But Hashem in his humility, he didn't want to be the one waiting for them to come to him. So he went out to greet Am Yisrael. So that's why also we tell the Hadan, just like Hashem went to greet Am Yisrael, to bring them into the Hubat, so too you go to bring your Kala into the Hubat. That's one example of something we do that's commemorating the marriage of Am Yisrael during Matan Torah. So Matan Torah is the time that we got married. We said Naaseh Nishma. That's the Kiddushin. We committed. Right? Every marriage, now, the most important part of a marriage is the commitment. There was once a great rabbi. He asked his Talmidim. He asked his students. So tell me, what is the key to a great marriage? So most of them said love. Love. One said this, one said that. He says, no. The key to a great marriage is a commitment. From commitment, love will come and all the great things will come. But commitment is the key to a great marriage. Now, commitment is a big deal. Commitment doesn't just mean I'm committed to stay married. There are people who are committed to stay married. And they stay married for 100 years, miserably. But they're committed to the marriage. You understand? It's also a commitment. I'm committed to be with you through thick and thin. Usually it's a lot of thick. That's what happens. That's, that is a commitment. But, but it's deeper than that. Not just a commitment that we stay married. It's a commitment that going forward, my life is committed to your happiness. It's a big commitment. Going forward, the commitment of a marriage is not just a commitment that we stay married. It's a commitment, basically, that I am now committed that your happiness is my responsibility. That's why you have to make sure she has a place to live. She has a place, she has to eat, she has to respect her, right? 
Because the commitment of a marriage is not that we share together a home. The commitment is that from now on, I take responsibility for your happiness. And therefore, I will do whatever it takes. You follow? That's called I'm committing to you. And hopefully she commits to you also, by the way. But um, let me tell you a little secret, Charlie. The secret is that if you notice during the Kindushin, there's only one person committing, not two. So you, you made a mistake in your calculation. The only one that's committing is the husband. The woman does not commit to her, to her husband anything. She's not committed. She, she, she accepts the commitment of a husband. She accepts that she will be the receiving end of his commitment. But we don't, but we don't tell the woman, okay, uh, are you committed to your Now, I'm Yisrael committed to Hashem. We got married. Forty days later, Egel. The Egel was like someone cheating on the marriage. Terrible. They went and they made an, a golden calf. Says the Gaon, when they did the Egel, the clouds of glory were gone. Ve'az lo hazru when did they come back? They only came back when they started to make the Mishkan. When was that? Which means, here's the dates. You ready? The dates are, you have Shavuot is on the 6th of Sivan. That's when Moshe Rabbeinu went up. Forty days later is Shiva Asar Betamus. That's when he broke the Luhot because of the Egel. He went up another forty days, right? Forty days, yes, to pray to save the Jewish people. That was when did that end? In Elul. Elul, Hashem told them, come again. That that was Elul. First of Elul till Yom Kippur. So the third time, the third set of 40, the initial 40, the, the initial 40 is when he got the Torah. The second 40 is when he went to pray. So now he went back up in the first of Elul and then he came back down on Kippur, which is 40 days later. And he said to Hashem, he told them, Salah barecha, I forgave you. But to Moshe, Moshe told Am Israel. No, no. So that's Kippur. Now, now we're at Kippur. Hashem says, huh? No clouds yet. Now, Hashem said, I forgive you. We put the marriage back together. Meaning the marriage was broken. It was a major hole in the marriage. And it was in a, in a, what do you call that? It was in limbo. 
for some time. Am Yisrael didn't really know what was going to be. They made a terrible, terrible mistake. And they're waiting to see what's going to be. By Kippur, they got great news. Hashem says, I want you back. It's, like, it's great news. I said, I want you back. Beautiful. What happened now? It says here, Umoshe Yarad Beyoma Kippurim, he came down on Kippur. Ul Mahoratium Kippurim, the following day, that's this year we'll say was Monday. Uh, no, Monday was Kippur, Tuesday. Vayakel Moshe, Moshe gathered all the people. Vetsiva al Melechet Amishkar. He commanded them. Now we're going to make a Mishkan. The whole purpose of the Mishkan is to have Hashem living amongst Am Yisrael. So guys, they were ready for the Mishkan. Hashem wants us. So let's make a Mishkan. That was the day after Kippur. That's number, that's Yud Aleph, the 11th of Tishri. Now what happened when he made that announcement? The people, they all started to donate. How many days were they donating to the building of the Mishkan? They brought more donations. Baboker, Baboker, the Pasuk says. Twice. In the morning, in the morning. That's two days. That means the campaign was a, well, they, they might have won on more to give. But after two days, they gave. What happened? That now we're up to 13. 13 is, is today. That's right. Now, the next day, on the 14th, right? Which means that on the 14th, they gave all the materials that they collected the gold, the, the stone, whatever it is, they gave them to the Hachmelev, those people who took upon themselves that they're going to build the Mishkan. You follow what's going on? So now they gave all the materials to the builders of the Mishkan. That was, to, that was tomorrow, 14th. And then what happened? They started to build the Mishkan on the 15th. Then the clouds of glory came back. As they started to build the Mishkan, he says, And that's why. We make it on the 15th. Because that's when the clouds of glory came back to Am Yisrael. They came back on the 15th of Tishri. That's the Hashbon, beautiful Hashbon of the ground. Now it's interesting. I just wondered, maybe you could help me with this. Why do we celebrate the second coming of the clouds and not the first coming? What, what, the, the, the clouds initially started in Nisan. So how come we would rather commemorate the clouds that came the second time 
than the clouds that came the first time. We didn't have... When Hashem gives clouds of glory to Am Yisrael, that is a sign of Ahava. It's a sign of love. I told you once in the summer that a person who feels loved by Hashem is a very powerful person. The reason why people don't trust Hashem or don't have bitahon and they worry and they have anxiety or they have all kinds of fears, they're lacking the bitahon. Why? Because they don't feel the love of Hashem. You see, if you felt the extraordinary love that Hashem has for us, we would never worry. Just like the one who loves you gives you something to sign, you don't ask them what's written on the paper. You say, okay, where do I sign? Because you know that they love you. When you have clarity and you feel the love that Hashem has for you, then you completely rely on Him. Bitahon is this thing of Sukkot, that we trust Hashem. But you really can't trust Hashem unless you feel His love for you. Because you only trust those who love you. If you think Hashem is out to get you and is looking to make your life miserable, how many people wake up every morning complaining about their life? How many people feel, how come it always goes wrong for me? How come I can never get it right? How come, you know how many people live like that? Majority of humanity lives with a feeling like they're a victim in one way or another. They feel like life is not there for their success. That's what people feel. The, again, anytime people complain, that's really what they're saying. People don't feel the love. When you don't feel the love, then you can't trust. How can I trust somebody who I know is out to get me? Imagine going to trust Iran and their government about your life. Would you have trust when you see them around you? can't trust them, they hate you. You can only trust someone who is completely, completely dedicated to love you and care for you and watches your back. So one of the main reasons why we don't have the bitahon in Hashem the way we're supposed to is because we don't feel the love that Hashem has for us. If we would feel the love the bitahon would be automatic. You don't have to train a child to have bitahon in his mother. Not a, he doesn't have to go read Havot Levavot to have trust in his mother. He doesn't have to go to classes. It's automatic. When you feel the love of your mother, you trust her. If we felt the love of the Creator constantly in our life, we would have full trust and we will become powerful people because people who live with bitahon are never afraid. They're always 
giving their all because they know that's all that's needed is you give your all and don't worry about the results. People spend their life worried about results and worried about things not in their control. And by doing that, they lack the strength and the and and the effort in what they need to do. Instead of focusing on what they need to do, they focus on what Hashem needs to do. Living with bitahon is a very powerful life. But you need to feel the love. Living with bitahon is not a manufactured uh, item that you can just, you know, let me let me get bitahon, let me work on bitahon. It's not something you can acquire until you have this feeling of ahava. When you have the feeling of ahava, then of course you're going to have bitahon. So the work of bitahon is to feel loved. Do you feel loved by Hashem? How did Hashem show our people that He loves us? The clouds of glory were His, His gift as a nation that He is thinking, worried about us, taking care of us. Those clouds went away when we broke the deal. They came back later. They came back the second time. Notice, by the way, that when Hashem forgave our people on Yom Kippur, the clouds didn't come back. How come the clouds didn't come back? Hashem said, I forgive you. It's over. How come the clouds didn't come back on Yom Kippur? How come there were there was a delay of a few days what before? So the answer is, like David said, answer is, notice, they only came back when we started to build the Mishkan. When we started to do something for the marriage, when we showed that we want Hashem in our life, that's what building the Mishkan represents. We also build the Mishkan. Me and you also build a Mishkan. Because the whole purpose of the Mishkan is that Hashem is in your life. When you build your Mishkan and you bring Hashem into your life, when you drink something, you make a bracha. When you wake up in the morning, you make brakot shahar. When you need something, you ask Him. When you have a free minute, you listen to what He has to teach you. When you live your life always conscious of what does Hashem want from me? Like David Amelch says so beautifully, Shiviti Adonai Lenegdi Tamid. Says David Amelch, you know how I live my life? That no matter where I was, I was with Hashem. No matter where I was. Shiviti Hashem. Hashem was in front of me wherever I was. I went to war, Hashem is there. I was eating, Hashem is there. I was learning, Hashem is there. I was everywhere. Hashem became a part of my existence. The clouds of glory, gentlemen, are with us every day. You know how many clouds of glory each person has in their life? How many blessings that they have that show, that show the love that Hashem has for us? Problem is we walk around life and we don't see, we don't see the amount, the tremendous amount of love that Hashem shows us every person 
The guy was complaining, has so many clouds of glory in his life. But he only focuses on the problem that he has or the issue that he has, which by the way is also good for him. But that's the, 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 the clouds of glory, that's what they represent. When Yom Kippur came and Hashem says, Salah, tiket varecha. We're good. By the way, you know what it's like? It's like a couple who got married. They were in love. Got married. A month or two into the relationship. Disaster. And they broke up. They broke up. A few months later. Comes Kippur. They felt something, forgiveness in the air. Said, I forgive you. They forgave each other. But even though they forgave each other, how is the relationship now? Cold. I forgive you. But the, where, where, where's the Ahava? Then one day, a few days after the forgiveness, he comes with a beautiful necklace, or a beautiful card. Says, I want to give you this necklace. Ah, now, what are you doing? Now you're building the Ahava. The forgiveness didn't build the Ahava. The forgiveness didn't build the marriage. The forgiveness allowed the marriage to be built. So by Yom Kippur, Hashem forgave us. Okay. Doesn't mean we're married happily. Just means we're, there's room. When did the marriage start? When we started to build the Mishkan. When does our marriage start with Hashem? When we build the Mishkan. When we commit ourselves to build the, our life in a way that Hashem is part of it. That we don't run away from Him when we go to work. A lot of people, they go to work and they run away from Hashem. Hashem is only in shul. He's in the Bet Knesset. When they come to pray, He's there. When they're doing a mitzvah, He's there. But the rest of the time, they're away. People go on vacation. They run away from Hashem. Hashem is in Brooklyn. Hashem is in my house. He's not, he's not, he's not away with me. People have a way of living. This is, by the way, culture, unfortunately, a lot, a lot of the religions. The religions, their, 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 their culture is that religion is tied to the temple. In other words, that's where religion is. Religion is by the temple. Outside, a regular guy. You have your religious life, and then you have your normal life. There's no such thing. The Torah does not subscribe to such ridiculous lifestyle. The, the, the marriage of Hashem with us is always. Shiviti Hashem tamid. Always, wherever you are, bring Hashem with you. Wherever you go, you go into your business. You still have to make berachot. You still have to talk properly. You get a good deal. Tremendous time to thank Hashem. Those are the clouds of glory in your life. Unfortunately, many parts of our lives, Hashem is not there. He's not around. He's not in it. We're not living with Him. Unfortunately for us, even when we talk to Hashem in tefillah, He's not there. We get so accustomed to reading the Sidur that we forget that we're talking to Hashem. 
We can sit in the sukkah and forget that Hashem is with us. So even our religious observance very often is lacking in Hashem in it. Kol Shekin, all the more so, our mundane life. But building the Mishkan means we started to invest in the relationship. The only way to invest in a relationship is by doing things, by sacrificing. It wasn't easy to build the Mishkan. They had to give up their jewelry. They had to give up their time. They had to give up their, their brain to think how to do. A person can only build love with another person when they give up, when they sacrifice. That is when the clouds came down the second time. The first time they came down, there was no work. The first time it came down, Hashem sent them a gift, the clouds of glory. Hashem said, I love you. But that love never lasted. That love, the one that Hashem gave us, without our investment, it didn't last. It was only a short period of time that it came to an end. Which love really lasts? The love that you're invested in. You cannot produce love by receiving. You produce love by giving. Hashem gave the cloud originally so we could feel the love, but we didn't really appreciate it and we couldn't appreciate it because it would matter of time before we lost that feeling. What happened the second time they came? This time, this time, we did something, we had to do something to, to, to bring about Hashem's love, which means that in our time, you want to feel Hashem's love? Who doesn't want to feel the Creator's love every day of His life? Who doesn't want to feel... By the way, we love to feel loved. Even if the, if the hamor around the corner loves us, we feel good. We feel good when we feel loved. Could you imagine the Creator of the world loves you and you feel that love every day? If Hashem loves you, you don't need anybody else to love you. How do you get that love? Well, you might say, what do you mean? I get it because Hashem loves me. That's how I get it. No. Even though Hashem loves you, you will not be able to feel the love in a real way, in a consistent way that stays with you, unless you build the love back. If you don't build the love back to Hashem, and you're not going to go and bring Him into your life, it's only a matter of time when His love for you is no longer going to be felt by you. His love for you will be there always. He always loves you. Hashem loves everybody always. But there are some great people that feel the love. And there are people who are loved all day. All day they're in clouds of glory. All day. But they don't feel it. How horrible to live in clouds of glory and you don't feel the clouds. Most of humanity is loved and doesn't feel the love. Because the only way to get the feeling of love consistently is you need to bring your love back. You need to give yourself back to Hashem. And then all of a sudden, you're feeling the clouds of glory. 
Now you're feeling the love in your life. This is literally our life. Our life. And that is literally what Sukkot is all about. Sukkot is sitting in the Sukkot and feeling the love that Hashem has for us. Not only in the clouds of glory. Feeling the love and everything that happens in your life. The fact that you woke up in the morning. The fact that you have health. That you have a family. That you have so much parnasa. That you have so many things that you could be so excited about. Those are all clouds of glory. Sukkot is celebrated not on the first clouds. Because those clouds didn't last. Those clouds came from Hashem only. We didn't invest in bringing Him into our life. So they expired. 40 days they gone. But these clouds came from our work. And those are the clouds that are lasting. And those are the clouds that we could experience. Or Sukkot is given to us once a year. Once a year. So that we get enough love. And feel that Ahava. That it will stay with us. For the entire year. To feel the Ahava of Hashem. But it could only. But it could only come. If we do our part. To give Hashem. What we have for Him. So this is now according to the gods, beautiful. We're celebrating the second coming of the clouds. Those are the clouds that we want in our lives. Rabotai, have a beautiful day.